Hello and welcome to this special podcast to recognise International Restorative Justice Week. For this edition, we speak to Gemma Fraser, Head of Restorative Justice and Recovery at Community Justice Scotland. Good morning and welcome to this special podcast for International Restorative Justice Week 2022. Today, I'm joined by Gemma Fraser, who is the Head of Restorative Justice and Recovery at Community Justice Scotland. Welcome, Gemma. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today. So Gemma, for my first question today, could you please tell me a little bit about what Community Justice Scotland does and where does it come from? Where did it originate? Community Justice Scotland was established under the Community Justice Scotland Act as the national body for oversight of community justice delivery in Scotland. What we aim for is to ensure Scotland is the safest country in the world through working with people who have both offended and experienced crime on their needs and the causes and behaviours that relate to that. We've got a number of areas of focus in Community Justice Scotland, uh, learning and development, improvement and innovation, commissioning, policy, uh, wider comms work to improve public understanding and a whole lot of other elements that contribute to specific project work on the ground. Restorative justice was something that CJS had looked at from the beginning, from its inception, um, and more so obviously as this is developed in Scotland alongside the National Action Plan. As we know, this is International Restorative Justice Week. Can you tell me, and you've just touched on there about the origin of of, uh, Community Justice Scotland and how restorative justice was at the forefront at the beginning. Can you tell me what is the role of Community Justice Scotland these days in developing restorative justice across Scotland? Yeah, sure. Restorative justice, um, obviously the government put in place the action plan off the back of a commitment for restorative justice to become widely available across Scotland um, by 2023. And Community Justice Scotland supported the Scottish Government in writing that plan, particularly in its vision and outcomes that came then from that. Following that, Community Justice Scotland worked with the government, particularly through the early stages of the pandemic, to establish a stakeholder group and work on how a, a model of what a model might look like for Scotland, which resulted in the idea that what would work best would be a form of hub and spoke model that equally supported restorative justice that was already being delivered by other organisations in Scotland. From this year, Community Justice Scotland took, well, we took the role on and were successful in funding for a national team to oversee that commitment that's been made by 2023. In the national team, we have a project manager, a development officer and an administrative support role. And the primary responsibility of the team currently is looking at the Lothian and Border Sheriffdom area as a test bed for how that model might look. So we're very active within that area while still looking at how we develop the outcomes more broadly for Scotland and in particular bedding in an understanding of what restorative justice is, how it works and working with stakeholders and their concerns, their support and how we can use that to pave the way for this going forward. From a Community Justice Scotland perspective, what do you feel are the successes in the development of restorative justice in Scotland in the last 12 months? It's a difficult question, but a big question. I think we've had elements of both. I don't think the public have been so aware of restorative justice as they have been over the last 12 months. The debate that we've had has been incredible. You know, both positive comments and those with concerns and people who are really interested and want to understand more. I think 
restorative justice is coming in at a time when Scotland is ready for some change. People are ready to experience something different. People are seeking what could be meaningful and a massive success in what we've done is I suppose get that conversation happening and ensuring people that are, are informed at least in enough of a way to ask real questions about it. Other than that, I think the work that we're doing in the sheriffdom is of, of great interest. The move towards how restorative justice not only starts with people, but also then moves into what is a choice and what is a noble talk about trauma-informed and responsive practice. There's also the establishment of the Restorative Justice and Sexual Harm Service by Thriving Survivors, which is absolutely groundbreaking, and um, particularly internationally, with a lot of interest as to how this will develop and look. Um, and being able to support services like that, which are completely born out of consultation with people, is exactly how we want to continue and are probably what we're most proud of just now. What are the priorities for Community Justice Scotland in the next year with regard to restorative justice? Yeah, the justice system is in a really, really difficult and challenging time at the moment, um, as are all sectors coming out of COVID and dealing with what will be a significant resource spending review that will hit us over the coming years. I think in light of that, and because obviously at the moment there are so many things that could be uncertain, although as much as we're aware, not restorative justice delivery, We've taken a, an idea of focusing on how we can look at better improving awareness and knowledge across stakeholders. We've still got a lot of services who tell us that people who work on the ground don't know enough about what restorative justice can be, what it could mean and what the benefits are. So we want to really look at that. There's the development of a trauma-informed risk and strengths framework to support restorative justice and to safeguard people who want to take part properly. There's also been a training needs analysis completed that sets out standards for training and specialist training a sort of after a foundational stage to ensure that people are properly equipped. And we want to look at how that then is developed and people can start to access that. There's national policy and practice necessary that underpins restorative justice as a parallel process to the criminal justice system. And we're working with Scottish government just now on how we could support doing something that sort of underpins then the work that we go forward doing in the next year. And I think the biggest and most exciting part of what we're looking to do next is quite a large research project that seeks to work with people who have experienced harm to understand what they know about restorative justice, how they talk about restorative approaches, which isn't always using that term, so we can develop improved language and messaging, but also what they need to experience in the aftermath of harm so that the service that we actually design is fully informed by individuals who've experienced harm and reflects what they need so it can be inclusive. The reason being, not everybody wants a face-to-face -face conference, and that's absolutely fine. There are many restorative approaches that don't need to go to that stage and will give people the outcomes that they need and meaningful justice if we listen and design something appropriate. Picking up your, your comment there about the trauma-informed practice and the development of a, of a, of a model, of a, of a plan around that. For professionals in the third sector and elsewhere, the phrase trauma-informed practice has been in circulation for a couple of years now. For you, from where you're sat, what does that mean? And what are your thoughts on how this could be included in a restorative justice service? Yeah, we've taken a lot of time to think about this because it's something we are rightly often asked. When you are working with people, and particularly about harm, you are asking people to discuss and to process some of the most difficult things that have happened to them. 
and people bring different experiences into the room on top of the harm that has occurred to them in relation to the incident that again require you to have a deeper understanding of trauma, how it presents and what's necessary in helping people to deal with that and recover from it. Because of this, uh, Rachel Moss, who's our project lead in Community Justice Scotland, has taken some time to look at both the trauma-informed principles and restorative justice principles to consider how those come together and look at what needs to come out of that to get a model that reflects both. I think we're, we're lucky in restorative justice that so much of restorative approach is built on a trauma responsive, which I suppose trauma responsive is the second part to being informed. And that's the step we want to go to next. So we have a number of principles that we are looking to underpin work with, and then thereafter, obviously, work with stakeholders, experts, and people to inform what that trauma-responsive part really looks like. Firstly, we want to give people choice. That is the number one most important thing about all of the work we're doing at the moment. We want the journey in RJ to be for everyone, but in a safe way, and that includes the choice to say no as much as it does to say yes. And then we educate the stakeholders and the public to ensure that what people can do is give an informed consent in either yes or no. As I've said, the process has to be safe. We're talking about working with partners to understand exactly what that should look like and what is necessary because we are you know, addressing the impact of harm over the impact of crime. So we need to focus on emotional as well as physical safety and well-being to ensure that's the case. The process has to be individual but we're also looking to accredit our training to make sure that that trauma responsive practice is embedded and with trauma responsive training as part of that too. And you want to empower people who experience harm to design their own service, as I've already talked about, and that really will then bring some meaningful justice outcomes, we hope. The other two elements of that, of course, are ensuring that everybody's prepared, that there is a preparedness in the process and that the continued review of risk is ongoing so that you keep working with people not just in how you mitigate or think about risk, but I think also where they have strengths that mitigate that themselves and what their wishes are in order to fully meet those as much as you can. And I think it's about the relationships, which is another part of trauma-responsive practice, fostering those, developing them and ensuring that it's done together. It's not about us and them. It's about all of us because everybody's experienced harm and can understand why there might be unanswered questions from that while appreciating how those are answered is a very individualized experience. We also need to ensure it's confidential, proportionate, and that it helps people to look to the future rather than to remain, I suppose, in, in the past, which is part of either how we begin or it's often with restorative justice, it's much later in a recovery journey that people want to look at it, but form a really crucial part of that. If people have experienced harm, where can they go to get an understanding of restorative justice? Yeah, we've got quite a few resources available at the moment which can support people in understanding, and that is the public or stakeholders and services. So Community Justice Scotland have just launched the restorative justice element to the Learning Hub, and that's available through our website. On that, there's a whole manner of paperwork, documents, inputs, videos, case studies, anything you need to think about what restorative justice is, what it can look like, how it's been used, and potentially support when and why you may or may not want to think about that for yourself. There's an animation that Community Justice Scotland and CYCJ completed, which looks at restorative justice for children and young people and adults, but again, thinks about 
what this looks like, its benefits, and is a really, really easy way to understand information and can be shared with anyone. It's freely available. Sacro have a website too for restorative justice that again supports all the, the resources and links up to everybody else's resources. So a great key way of thinking about those. And you can call and contact our RJ team at any time. All the details are again on the Community Justice Scotland website. And it's always really good to hear from people. We've got a lot of inputs and presentations available. We like to talk. We love to come out to people's groups, whether that they're partnership groups, community groups, organisational meetings, and we can talk about restorative justice because that's as beneficial for us as it is to anybody we speak to. Thank you. And finally for today, what in your view would the ideal restorative justice service look like in the future? Oh, I love questions like this. Um, go for gold. Um, in my head, I think, as we go forward, the hub and spoke model is a good idea. So we're working currently on the idea that there will be a central point for oversight and monitoring of restorative justice and national service and sexual harm because of the nature of, of such crimes and the needs to ensure such robust practice, but thereafter locally deliver restorative justice. Whether And I think the best idea for that in its inception is something that bolsters that resource with some additional service and facilitation available and can be coordinated with a specific resource, but always works with existing services across justice, community and the third sector because the expertise is there and that gives people an opportunity to experience a wider support with their needs that should be embedded alongside restorative justice. I think we would like a self-referral pathway so that people ultimately and at best decide when restorative justice is right for them in their own time and isn't linked into any particular element of a justice process and um, that ensures what we're really dealing with and have the potential to improve our health outcomes and well-being outcomes which are fundamentally the most important. We would like to see the justice system consider where referrals could come from through their services and um, perhaps not in all offence types but for example um, at the point of diversion we could look at whether a restorative justice referral could simply be made in the assessment phases of that but thereafter then as an independent part of, you know, somebody's journey rather than part of the system. It's important that, again, as we've talked about, it's trauma-informed and responsive. I would really like to see how services and people can help us properly underpin that. We're in a really unique position in Scotland in how we're working on restorative justice. We do some of it, but it's not consistently available. So with what is relatively a blank page, let's let people tell us what it needs to look like first. And I think thereafter, we could redesign policy, guidance, things about RJ and really tell the world, I think, what it could look like from a, a Scottish perspective. The final sort of part of this, apart from, you know, the, the fact it should be about choice and as inclusive as it can be through multiple delivery methods, is I've always appreciated where restorative justice is rooted in community delivery. So we have looked at lots of examples of restorative justice and the one I think that speaks to me the most are some of the models in Northern Ireland where community are hugely involved in resolving their harm. The outcomes are community-based, they are supported by people, their neighbours, their communities and I think there might be a role in the future to develop that further but I hope there is in terms of where community can be facilitating restorative justice, where it can be based and led in those communities as a form of justice that not just helps the harm of the individuals, but heals the impact of that in communities as the sort of 
virus that so often comes from harm. Thank you very much, Gemma, for your time today. And oh, uh, we, we hope we have a, a good International Restorative Justice Week. Yes, lovely. Good luck. See you soon, Robert. To find out more about Shine, visit our website at shinementoring.org. Thanks for listening.